Okay, good evening everyone. We're getting back together once again for a uh, Thursday evening Chumash and Shalans. Uh, <clears throat> last week we got together for the last one of last year. Now we have the privilege just one week later getting back together for the first one of the new year. Um, and uh, last week we took a break from our usual um, approach. Instead of talking about the Parsha, we didn't focus on the Parsha, we focused on Rosh Hashanah. We were right before Shoshana. This week we're right before Yom Kippur. We'll talk about Yom Kippur. We're going to put, going to put Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur together. Last week we were dwelling on, on, um, on, uh, specifics in the special prayers, the Rosh Hashanah insertions that we put into Shemona Esrei to get ourselves, give ourselves a little bit of a appreciation and understanding for the extra, uh, expressions that we put into the Shemona Esrei. We're going to do the same thing again this week because we have the Shemona Esrei coming up on Yom Kippur, a repetition of the Shemona Esrei that we said on Rosh Hashanah. We have the expanded Shemona Esrei. We put a whole, very big, the third bracha becomes super expanded. Everyone knows like half of Shemona Esrei is there in the third bracha. We have like four or five extra paragraphs that we say. And the same Shemona Esrei we said on Rosh Hashanah, more or less. And uh, we're going to say it no fewer than five times on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is <laughs> extremely unique in that um, it gets an extra tefillah, right? Not just the Shemona Esrei gets expanded. We have an extra Shemona Esrei on Yom Kippur that we don't have during the year. We have Mayriv, Shachris, Mincha, Amosif Mincha, and we have Ne'ilah, an extra an extra prayer, all extra Shemona Esrei that uh, we only have on Yom Kippur once a year. So we're going to be saying the Shemona Esrei five times, no fewer than five times on Yom Kippur. So let's look at a few more nuances to pick up on within the Shemona Esrei. Now, I want to dwell on a couple of things that tie together, I think, in one package. It gives us a bit of an insight into what exactly we were praying for. And, and it's clear um, from the, from the uh, you know, from the uh, get-go over here that we're, we're, we're beseeching God to reveal Himself to the world. On Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we take advantage of the fact that this is a time of year that God is already in a state of higher revelation, already presenting himself as the king. He comes closer to humanity, so to speak, reveals himself more than he does during the year. During the year, he's more hidden, more concealed. On Rosh Hashanah, for these ten days that go, beginning on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, he is revealed more, he's present more, he's, he's available more, we can feel him more. He's coming to take stock, to take note, to take accounting of the entire world in, in a way of judgments. So we kind of try to capitalize on that. We try to build off of that, and we, we, we beseech, we plead with God. You know, you're already much closer to us right now this time of year. Go all the way, reveal yourself to the whole world. Bring the Shiach, bring the Shiach. Reveal your glory to the world, reveal your oneness to the world, reveal your truth to the world. And, and that's clearly the theme from the get-go over here. Um, Place your your fear on everything that you've created. your dread, all of your handiwork. Let all of your creations fear you. Everything that you have made shall bow down to you. Let all of humanity be united to become one unit, one group to serve you with one heart and with a full heart. Um, and it goes on and on and on. Paragraph after paragraph, give glory to your nation, praise to those who fear you, um, and you will you will rule in an open, revealed way over the entire universe to all of humanity. So we're asking Hashem to reveal Himself. We're asking Hashem for Mashiach, 
We're asking Hashem to bring the final, the Geulah Shlema, the full and final redemption. And we ask for this in a more impassioned, heartfelt, sincere and direct way on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, more so than the rest of the year. And again, the reason is, because Hashem is already more revealed, already presenting Himself as a king. We're kind of saying, Hashem, no, come on, just, just go all the way, bring it all the way. It, it, the door is already open. We have a foothold. You know, we got the door pried open. We're asking Hashem to open the door all the way. That, that's why we do this. We're asking for this much more on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur than the rest of the year. But there's a few interesting, again, uh, nuances to pick up on over here that I think can give us a deeper appreciation, deeper insights into what we're really davening for and what it means for Hashem to reveal Himself for the world and what it, re- what it means for the full glory and splendor of God to, 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 um, to, to present itself. Um, the second paragraph, we say, Hashem give glory, honor, give honor to your nation. Praise to those who fear you. Give hope for those who seek you. And give an answer. Pischon Pel literally means that their mouth should be open. Give them an answer, reply to those who, 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 um, faithfully wait, are, are, are awaiting you. Lam Yachlem Lach means those who are waiting for you, but waiting faithfully. Waiting with full faith and full confidence. So what exactly are we asking for? It's, it's, it's very poetic, very stirring, stirring, but, but what does this translate into? What are we asking for? First of all, Kavad Hashem Hashem give honor to your nation. What are we asking for? All the government should give us honor. That's what we're asking for. That the nations of the world should salute us, should stand up to us, stand up for us. Stand up for us, not stand up to us. That's, that's unfortunately where we are currently, right? Instead of standing up to us, but standing up for us, we're asking them to, to put us on a pedestal. Then instead of being, you know, the most downtrodden of society that we should be promoted, we should, we should be elevated, we should be, we should, we should get honor. Give us, the nation should give us honor. That's interesting because since when do we ask for honor? You know, we, we want glory, we want honor, we're, 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 we're covered machers, we're covered mention, we're people that want covered. Covered is like a dangerous thing to ask for. Covered means, you know, again, veneration, to, to be honored, to be, uh, you know, Shul makes a dinner, Yeshiva makes a dinner, Kailu makes a dinner, you honor somebody, right? So you pick someone to honor. So you go to the Shul, you go to the school, you say, um, if you, you're looking for any honorees this year, I'm, you know, I'm available. I'm available. That, that's like, you know, like in bad taste. It's very tacky. You don't seek honor, you don't look for honor, you don't ask for honor, you have to wait for honor to come to you. So we're asking for honor. Hashem, give honor to your nation. Give us glory. Let the nations bow down to us. That's what we're asking for. Since when do you ask for honor? Since when do you ask for, for, for covet? Praise to those who fear you. We're asking for the G'dayle Adoral, the, the rabbis with the long white beards, instead of, you know, being the, the you know, being attacked by, by viru, virulent anti-Semitism and, 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 and these, these, you know, the media who loves to just trounce and destroy all that's sacred and, and, and make fun, mock rabbis. No, let, let them get praised. Let, you know, Chaim Kadievsky should make the front page of the New York Times in a good way, not in a bad way. You know? That's what we're asking for. The Gaim should praise us, the Gaim should honor us, the Gaim should give us, should give us, um, glory. Since when do we ask for these things? Yeah, ask for Hashem to reveal Himself, but why are we asking for our own glory, our, our own honor? 
So just to start with that, this is a question that already gives us insight into a greater picture that's going on over here. We're not just asking for Hashem to reveal Himself to the world. We're asking for the world to come full circle. Why do we want Hashem to reveal Himself to the world? Let's shift sideways for a moment and and try to wrap our heads around a different idea. There's another idea that is mentioned in the holy books, the holy holy svarim tell us that on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, a person should try, when he's davening for Hashem to reveal himself, he should try to appreciate what's called the Shechinta the, Begalusa, the, the Tsar, the pain of the Shechina, the pain of Hashem himself, that Hashem has a certain amount of pain. Hashem is in pain, so to speak, from the fact that he's not revealing himself to the world, that he's not present. And we should appreciate the fact that not only we're suffering because we don't have Mashiach, not only we're suffering because the world is topsy-turvy, out of order, but Hashem feels pain from not being able to reveal himself to the world. And we're davening Hashem, you know, we, we get it. We, we're, we're, we're relating to your pain, Hashem, that you can't reveal yourself to the world. Reveal yourself, because we, we, we sensate your pain. We shoulder that burden. And we perceive that, we pick up on that, and we appreciate that. It pains us also, the fact that you can't reveal yourself, so please reveal yourself. This farm, the holy books tell us that this is a mindset, a frame of mind to be into on, on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, when we're davening, again, it was such passion for Hashem to reveal Himself, try to relate to the Tsar, the pain of the Shechina, of the Divine Presence. How do you relate to such a thing? First of all, what does that mean? Hashem is in, it pains Hashem that He can't reveal Himself? No, okay, so reveal yourself. Hashem, what's stopping you from revealing yourself? You know, if I'm in pain, I have a bad headache, so I'm going to ask everyone, please daven for me, that I should be out of pain, no, I'll go take Advil. I know how to cure my headache. If I'm in pain because I have a splinter in my hand, I'll take the splinter out. So if Hashem is, so to speak, in pain because He's not revealing Himself to the world, so reveal Himself to the world. What, what does that have to do with me? Right? I should relate to Hashem's pain and and that's, I should use that as an impetus in davening on Hashem Kippur for Hashem to reveal Himself because I relate to Hashem's pain. It pain. Hashem's pain pains me. And please, Hashem, reveal yourself because you're in so much pain. If you're in so much pain because you're not revealing yourself and you have the ability to reveal yourself, so reveal yourself. Again, what does that have to do with me? It's a strange, strange kind of concept. And what does that mean altogether that the Shekhinah is in pain, that the infinite, the divine is in pain? Hashem doesn't need the world. Hashem doesn't need any of us. Hashem doesn't need the universe. Hashem is Hashem with or without us. Hashem is Hashem with or without a universe. What does it mean altogether? That Hashem is in pain and we should relate to that pain on Rosh Hashanah Kippur. And the holy books do tell us that this is something to get into on the high holidays. Try to not just think about ourselves. Think about God. Think about that God is also suffering. God wants to reveal Himself. What does that mean that God is suffering? God is God with or without us. God suffers. God's in pain because He can't reveal Himself. How do we relate to that altogether? And if Hashem is indeed in pain because He's not revealing Himself, then just reveal yourself and get yourself out of pain. Like, I can take the aspirin, get my, get, cure my headache, take the splinter out, go to the doctor, and 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 uh, have my tonsils removed, have have the cavity filled. I know how to get myself out of pain. Why are we diving for that altogether? So let's put all these questions side by side. We're diving for our glory. We're diving for us to have comfort, which doesn't make sense to us. We're diving for us to have praise, which doesn't make sense to us. Since when do we try to boost our own egos? That's dangerous. And what does it mean to daven for Hashem's pain? What does it mean that the Shekhinah is in pain? What does it mean that the divine glory is in pain for not revealing itself? And why are we davening for that? Why isn't just Hashem just reveal himself? So all these questions kind of come together and present us with one beautiful, very deep, but very rich idea, which hopefully we should use to be able to, we should be able to use to enrich 
our our Yom Kippur experience, take this into our davening on Yom Kippur. And let's just start with this basic idea. What does it mean that the Shekhinah is in pain? What does it mean that Hashem is in Tsar? Hashem is, is the Shekhinah, the fact that Hashem is in Golis, Hashem is in exile, pains Hashem. What does that mean altogether? The infinite, the divine, who doesn't need the universe, not dependent on any of us, is in pain. It means a very simple idea. And such a basic idea that we can pack it, hopefully, you know, from now onward, and really relate to what this, this basic concept of Judaism means, that the Shekhinah is in Gal, the Shekhinah is in exile, and the Shekhinah is in pain. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means the following. Moshe Lema'ad what, what, what is this, what is this compared to? It's compared to, it's exactly like what? Hashem, we can set up like a syllogism, like they have those logic relationships. Hashem to the universe is like a parent to a child. Mamish like a parent to a child. And imagine, you know, a parent. A, a parent who has children, he loves those children, he or she loves those children. And when you're a parent and you love your kids because they're your kids, so what do you want to do? What do you want to do with those kids? To, for those kids, you want you want to give. You want to give to them. You love them very much, and and and, and you want to give. So you have a parent that loves their kids. They want to do it on their kids. They want to give to their kids, and they have the means to give. They have the ability to give, and they have the 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 um, interest in giving. So this parent stops on their way home. He's thinking about his kid, his son that he loves, his daughter that he cherishes, they go into the candy store and they take a bag. What do my, my kids love more than candy? Toys. I fill up a, can, a bag with all kinds of garbage, you know, tooth-destroying stuff, sugar-coated sugar and and uh, sugar-flavored sugar and and sugar in all, all, you know, three dozen different forms. And I get them toys. I fill up a whole shopping bag full of stuff that I want to give my kids because I love them so much. And I come home. I knock on the door, let myself in. All prepared, all worked, all excited. Let's let's sensate the excitement of that parents. Let's 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 you know, not just visualize. Let's let's feel that excitement. The parents about to walk through the door, all ready to give their kids, to dote on their kids, to express their love for the kids, just to give because they can give because they want to give because they love to give. And they walk in, they find themselves in a disaster area, a disaster, area, a war zone, a war zone. I see. I gets this right away. Right? They walk in, they find themselves in a war zone. The killing fields. Okay, they walk in, and the house is upside down. Upside down, there's, there's stuff all over the walls, and the, the furniture is, 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 is toppled over, and there's, you know, food everywhere but the dining room table, and the toys are all over the place, and there's a mother that's standing there and going nuts, and, and the kids, it's utter chaos, utter chaos. The kids are off the wall, totally disobedient, totally disrespectful, fighting with each other, not listening to their mother, and making all the trouble they possibly can. His parent came in with this whole bag of stuff to give their kids. He can't give it anymore. He can't give it. The kids, you can't give kids in such a state. You can't. He knows it's the wrong thing to do. He knows the wrong thing. The kids can't be given anything right now. You can't treat them to anything. You can't do it on them. You can't show them love. Show them love. You're going to destroy them. Right now, they need discipline. Right now, they need to be taught a lesson. You're going to, you know, turn and give them these huge lollipops when they're in the middle of destroying, you know, destroying your house, in the middle of, of disrespecting their mother, at each other's throats. You can't give them anything. So, okay, so you have to, you know, wrap that back up. You don't even show it to them. You can't even show it to them. Just put it behind your back, and you have to start disappointing. Now, what does that parent feel right now? What? Anger. Okay, anger to his kids. 
maybe resentment, but beneath the anger, beneath the resentment, there's what? Pain. pain. There's pain. A lot of pain. And what's this pain? What's this? What's triggering this pain? Is the pain of wanting to give, being able to give, but not being able to give because they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not deserving of 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 being given to. They just don't deserve it right now. There's pain. There's pain. The pain of I have so much to give, and I want to give, and I can give, and I'm prepared to give, but you're not letting me give you. You don't deserve it, and I can't. It's the wrong thing for me to give. That parent's going to feel a tremendous amount of pain. Of course, on the surface, anger, and he has to express that anger, discipline. But beneath the anger, the real instinct of emotion, the basic emotion that's there is a lot of pain. I love my kids, and I, I was so excited to give them. And I was so pumped. I came home all excited to give, and now that that just got um, boomerang back on me. And, and that enthusiasm and excitement is replaced with pain. That's real pain that the parent is feeling. And that, my friends, Rabbi said, that's the Tsar of the Shekhinah. That's exactly the pain of the Shekhinah. Hashem doesn't need the world. Of course not. He's Hashem without the world. He's Hashem with the world. He's Hashem without the world. But why did He create a world? He created a world to give. He wants to give. He's a, he's toyed. He wants to be made. If he wants to give, he's capable of giving. He wants to give. He's interested in giving. He's enthusiastic to give his children. The world is in chaos. The world is, is, is a disaster area. It is. The world is a, it's a complete war zone. It, it, literally and figuratively. It's upside down in terms of just being out of control and being so deviant and drifting away from God. God has so much to give. He created the world to give blessing to the world, prosperity to the world, bounty to the world, to give everything to the world that he's capable of giving and he wants to give. The world is not deserving of receiving Hashem's gifts. And that's painful. That's, so to speak, painful. That's the Tsar of the Shekhinah. That's the Tsar of the Shekhinah. That's exactly what it does. It's a very simple idea, but such a profound idea. The Tsar of the Shekhinah is Hashem having so much to give and not being able to give. So now, that being said, that puts us into a very, very clear and lucid <laughs> frame of mind when it comes to, when it comes to understanding what we're davening for in Rosh Yom Kippur. And what we're davening for, when we're asking Hashem to reveal Himself, what are we really davening for? For mankind to be elevated to that state of perfection that will have that bre- breakthrough. Mankind should have that accurate, lucid breakthrough to be able to receive Hashem's goodness. And if we can't get that on our own, Hashem help us get there. And that's why we're saying, Hashem, give your awe, your fear on everything that you made. Let's go back to the beginning. This is exactly what we're diving for. Let everything fear you. Why we we want everyone to be fearful of God? No. If everyone's fearful of God, then everyone is in line. And when we're in line, we're deserving of Hashem's bounty. We're deserving. We're deserving. Then Hashem, then you can give. Then you can give. It's not self-centered. It's not self-serving. And it's not davening for everyone to be in fear of God. It's davening for mankind to be perfected in a state of order and harmony as opposed to chaos and disarray so that you can give us Hashem and you'll be able to allow the world to come to its final purpose that you made it for and you'll be able to give Hashem. We sensate your pain. It's the same pain we feel when we can't give our kids when they're no longer deserving. We feel that. Let us be deserving of your gifts so you won't be in pain anymore. This is what we're davening for. And that's why. And we asked earlier, if Hashem's in pain because he wants to reveal himself, news Hashem, you can reveal yourself like the guy taking the pill. No. The reason Hashem can't reveal himself, that's Hashem giving and we have to be deserving of Hashem to give us. 
And we, Hashem just gives. It's like giving that lollipop to your kid when the kid is out of control. You can't. You know you can't. You know you have to put that bag of goodies away. You can't give your kids anymore. So this is really what we're doubting for. And it goes beautifully. We see how the whole dip, tefillah comes to a very different and a very, very clear light over here. Um, everything that we're davening for is within this theme. And, 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 um, and um, within this exact message. The Hashem, let everything fear you, let everything bear down to you, let everything be aware of you, so we're perfected. Then everyone will be united in harmony to do your will, believe of Shalem with a full heart. Why do we want everyone to do your will to be deserving of everything you have to give so you can perfect the world? You can give you can give shlemus, you can give perfection, you can reveal yourself to the world. Give them that bag of goodies, give us the bag of candies, give us all the goodies, give us the loot, and it will be deserving us of it. Um, and that brings us to the next, the, the very next paragraph, what we, what we, uh, began with asking questions on. Asking for covet. And we said, we never, we never ask for covet. We never, you know, ask for our own, um, glory, our own honor. We never ask for, you know, you don't go to the yeshiva and say, you know, again, I'm in the market for being honored and it's been a few years since I was honored, you're looking for honorees. You know, I'm your guy. Who, who, you know, even the, you know, even the, the, the most tackiest people. People know that it's a place you got to draw the line with with showing everyone how desperate you are for COVID. It's very pathetic to ask for. We don't pump our own egos. We don't ask for honor. We don't ask for glory. So why on the holiest days of the year, Rosh Hashanah Kippur, we're saying Tain COVID Hashem liyamecha, Hashem, give glory to your nation, give praise to those who fear, praise to the rabbis. To those who fear you, those who follow you, and give honor to your nation. The Goyim should all bow to us, respect us, elevate us. The answer is, Viter, this is all about the world being in a perfected state that they're deserving of Hashem's benefit. What is it that makes the world out of order? We know what makes us out of order. That we're not following the Torah correctly. We're not, we're not obeying Hashem properly. We know that. And we go on the Shemona, as they say, we know that we know what's right and what's wrong. But the whole world's out of order. Hashem has to reveal Himself to the world, not just to the Jews. Mashiach has to come to, to, to reveal truth and light to mankind, not just to Kleiso. And Hashem has to give His blessings and reveal His glory to the entire universe. The universe has to be worthy, has to deserve it, including the Gayim. When the Gayim are able to are able to to um, walk all over us, persecute us, massacre us, and mistreat us, and just you know live with with this rabid anti-Semitism. They are putting themselves in direct opposition to being able to receive Hashem's glory, to be deserving of Hashem's blessings. The Goyim are messing themselves up. Why? Because well, who are the Jews? Who are we at the end of the day? We are Hashem's emissaries. We're the Am Kaddish. We're the Am Anivchar. We're the, we're the Mamleches Kayanim. The Am Kaddish. We're, we're, we're a divine nation. We're the chosen nation. And when the other nations see us as anything but the chosen nation, we're, we're there to be attacked. We're there to be massacred. We're there to be persecuted. They are putting themselves in a place which is very distant from Hashem, very distant from truth, very distant from light. Because they are taking, you know, those people that should be the highest, that should be put on the pedestal, and they're putting us, you know, they're in the dirt. They're walking all over us. So they're messing themselves up. 
The, the world is messing itself up when they persecute us through anti-Semitism. They're making themselves very, very far from the truth. When, when they see clearly, that's who the, we call the Hasidic Umm Sa'ilam, the, 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 the righteous Gentiles. When they see things clearly, they say, yes, we're the Amanivchar, we're the chosen nation, and they want to do everything they can to promote us and to help us in our cause and to advocate it for us because they know that when you help the Jews, you're helping God. When you, when you facilitate the Jews' holy work, you bring the world one step closer to perfection and harmony. But when Gaim do the very opposite, when they walk all over us, when they trance us, when they trash us, they're putting themselves and the world in a state of disarray, in a state of chaos, in a state of disorder. We're davening for Nishanim Kippur is again, for the world to come back to this place and to this state of being in perfection, of being deserving of Hashem's blessing, and how they make themselves deserving of the Rebbein Shalom's blessing, the Rebbein Shalom's bracha, by really getting what the world is all about, understanding that the world is here to be have have those representatives, have those have those embassies, have those agents of of of, of emes, of truth, of light. Those people that are the or the the amim We're there to be those beacons of light to the entire nation. We're there for them to get it. So that's what we're davening for. We don't want our own honor. We don't want glory. We're not trying to nominate ourselves as honorees over here. No, but we're saying Hashem, bring the world closer. Bring it back to the ideal state where they understand what's right, what's wrong, where, they, where they're deserving of you giving everything that you want to give, everything that you're capable of giving, everything you made the world to, to receive from you, from all your gifts. Let the world come back to that state that you're able to give them. And what brings the world, the guy, the nations back there when the nations understand that the Jews are indeed the Amanifchar, the nation of God. If the Gaim get that, then the world has returned to its ideal state. The world is now deserving of receiving blessing from God. We're not davening for ourselves at all. We're davening for world perfection, for world harmony, and we're davening for the world to be able to receive from God. A beautiful insight, but that's exactly what we're praying for. And we're davening for it. As long as, so it's a whole new take on anti-Semitism, really. Anti-Semitism is not just that we're suffering. When we suffer, Hashem suffers. Anti-Semitism is the world out of order. The world is in a state of disorder when there's anti-Semitism. Because so long as there's anti-Semitism, the guy still refuse to get this idea that we are, you know, the, the, the Hashem's chosen nation. That we are those de- delegates. That, that we are here to be respected because when you respect the Jews, you understand what the world's all about. You understand there's a creator behind the Jews. And the Jews in keeping the Torah and keeping the mitzvahs are the ones that are keeping the world going and are sharing light and truth with the world. When the nations get that, the world is in a state of harmony. The world can receive from God. When there's anti-Semitism, the world is spun around and is facing away from God. The world doesn't get it. The guy don't get it. Anti-Semitism is the world in a state of disrepair itself. The world in a state of disorder. And the world out of sync with 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 um, reality. And the world in that state of, you know, that parent that walks in and finds a war zone and finds a disaster area. Anti-Semitism is a disaster area in terms of the world. In terms of the world. What? Isn't that Hashem's way of letting us know that we are misbehaving? So, so things are very complex. To be to be sure, you know, Rabbi Avram Shaga Feibel is 100% correct that anti-Semitism, when the Gaim have it out for us, it's also what keeps us in check and a, a way of us understanding that that we've fallen short of, of our tasks. But there, there's there's multiple things going on at the same time. It, they Hashem allows them to attack us. Hashem allows anti-Semitism to happen, but they're choosing of their own volition to 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 attack us. They didn't have to do that. So in other words, from our perspective, we're suffering because we deserve it. Certainly. But from their perspective, they don't get it. 
They, they're still doing the wrong thing. No, no, they're, they're, that's not all the, the anti-Semitists nowadays. They're, they're all, they're, they're all out to get the Jews because they made this chesed. The Jews are the chosen nation, and we're going to be the, 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 the punishment rod for God. We're, no, that's not what the government. The government hate us. They hate us. They hate holiness. They hate everything we stand for. They hate real values. They hate truth. It's, they're, they're not coming from a, a noble place. They're certainly not coming from a noble place. They're coming from a place of, of disorder, of, of, of disarray and disrepair. And that's what we're diving for. Do Gaim have free will? They do, but we also know that Hashem controls everything that happens. No. Hashem allows them. What, what's going on is Hashem doesn't stop them from hurting us. But they no, have the free will. Exactly. Okay, so if but there's, again, it's complex. There's our take and their take. Our take... As a father, when you walk into the house with a bag full of goodies, you know that you have children who are X type, and then you know that you have children who usually behave. You walk into the house and you see your child, that you know who usually behaves, acts the same way as the ones who constantly cause mischief. Are you going to give... Are you going to be any nicer to that child than you are to this child? The one who is behaving? Yeah. If he's acting the same way, we're oh, acting, acting the no same way. different than the way the Goyim are acting. Right. So it's his way of letting us know. Yeah, but the focus on Rosh Hashanah Kippur is not exactly, but this goes together with what I'm saying. The focus is not on us at all. Exactly. We're not davening for ourselves. We're davening for the world. And the world still, every day, every anti-Semite has a decision that they can make every morning when they wake up. Should I be nice to the Jews or should I not be nice to the Jews? When they decide voluntarily to be an anti-Semite, to not be nice to Jews, they are perpetuating the world in a state of being in a state of disrepair. Now, certainly, when we're doing the right thing, the guy don't punish us anymore, but that's really, again, everything kind of dovetails over here. Because when we're doing the right thing, we're on our own already bringing the world back to a state of repair, and the guy get that, the guy understand that, and therefore... Hashem allows more truth and light to be revealed to the world. But when we are misbehaving, we lose that divine protection. But it's not that the Goyim now understand they've been given a divine mission and they're coming with a noble purpose. Let's punish the Jews because Hashem is upset with them. No, they, they will suffer for this. The Goyim suffer for punishing us, for hurting us. They are making a decision through their own free will, through their own volition to be anti-Semitic, and from their perspective, they are perpetuating, again, the world in a state of chaos. So it's a little complex. There's different things going on at different levels over here, but what they're having for is for the world to understand, to get the fact, and we can certainly adapt for that, that we are the Amon Nifchar, the the Gai Kaddish, and when that happens, they uh, are now bringing the world back into a state of order, a state of repair, and the world can receive Hashem's blessing. Okay, more or less clear. There's a lot of things. I, I said we, we had to compress, you know, the, you're, you're opening vistas that can be, you know, entire discussions on their own right. But just to give a quick answer to how everything goes together, that's, that's the quick answer. Um, yeah, so this is what we're a, appealing to Hashem about, and this is what we're, what we're really, we're, we, are, we are pleading with Hashem for. Nothing to do with us. But everything to do with Hashem being able to give. So this is a very nice take, Rabbi Isai. And again, we're told that on Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur, we're not supposed to just be self-centered in our own thoughts, our own coming year, that we want a good year, we want an amazing year. 
but we're also supposed to be thinking and dwelling on, you know, the Shekhinah is having a rough time, the Shekhinah wants to give, and so this is a new take, what it means for the Shekhinah to be in pain, it's exactly that of a parent, this is a new understanding, new appreciation of why we're dabbing for the Shekhinah to be out of pain, we're dabbing for the world to be back in order, and certainly has very much to do with us also, very, very much to do with us, um, it also has to do with the Goyim recognizing that we're the Amnevich of the Goyim getting recalibrated and and redirected in understanding the real take of reality and understanding that the, the, the Jews have to be elevated. When the Goyim give us respect, they have brought the world one step closer, one step back in line with 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 uh, where it's supposed to be, its optimal l- level, and the world is closer to receiving Hashem's bounty. I just want to wrap up with one idea that, that builds on this. Very interesting, beautiful idea. We conclude this paragraph by saying, we know, Hashem, that you have authority, you, the rule is yours. Um, gvura, which means strength, might, is in your right hand. Gvura is in your right hand. We know that. So let the nations know that also. Let the whole world know that. That Gvura is in your right hand. Now, here there's a problem. Who are the Kabbalists present at the table? Who are present Kabbalists here tonight? Okay, good. You guys are keeping quiet. A Kabbalist, a real Kabbalist, never reveals himself, right? But um, we know what capitalist. Capitalist. <laughs> we have capitalists here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you don't have to be a Kabbalist to know this. Everyone knows Hashem has basic midos, right? Hashem has properties, and that they they parallel the Avos, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. We've heard this before. Chesed, Avram is about giving, right? Yitzchak is about what? There's a balance. Gevura. <coughs> Excellent. So Avram is Chesed and Yitzchak is Gevura. That's basically all we... Good. We all know these are well-known ideas. And there's a balance. Chesed means to give. Gevura means restraint or discipline or, you know, punishment. Chesed is love, is giving. Gevura is everything that's on the other side. Restraint, punishment. Now, Chesed always is lined up with the right side, the strong right arm. Gevura is always where? On the left. We always say the right arm of God is associated with chesed, giving, because that's the stronger. We want, you know, the things are tipped in, in favor of giving, of chesed. And gavura is always the left. The left hand is the weaker one, because God doesn't really want a discipline. He doesn't really want restraint. He doesn't want to punish. He wants to give. Are we saying that God is right Yeah. Yes, we are. God is inclined towards giving. And we say that in the, in the 13 attributes also. No, it's not a joke. God is a righty. God is a righty. Um... Rav Chesed. Right? Hashem is an abundance of Chesed. The, the things are tipped in favor of the right. And that's why we talk about right and left. Right is always stronger than left. Yeah. With God also. Otherwise, right and left is meaningless. God is infinite. God doesn't have directions. Right means stronger. Left means subordinate. Weaker. That's what it means. So we have a basic problem. On Rosh Hashanah Kippur, we're saying, Gvura. Is where? Biminecha. You guys said it on Rosh Hashanah. You said it two days in a row. We're going to say it five times on Yom Kippur. And we're going to hear it five times from the Shlech Tzibur. Gvura biminecha. What's going on over here? Gvura biminecha. Who's on the left, not on the right? Gvura. We're talking about Gvura. Gvura biminecha. Yeah, Okay, so Gevura is balanced with the right. But, but Gevura biminecha, Gevura is on the left, and it's tempered with the right. What, what, what are we saying? We're saying such a beautiful idea. It goes hand in hand with everything that we're talking about. We're again davening that Hashem should reveal Himself to a world which doesn't see God. To make Himself present to a, a world where God is not present, where it's concealed. Where the world doesn't recognize God right now, correct? The world does not recognize God. Why does the world not recognize God? 
Why is it that the, the world can't recognize the Rebbeinu Shalagam? There's a number of things that are in the way from the world recognizing the Rebbeinu Shalagam. What is one of the things that gets in the way from the world recognizing Hashem, us, including the nations? What is it that gets in the way? What gets in the way of, 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 of uh, the world re- of, of recognizing HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So the, the biggest thing that you always hear is, well, if there's a God, how come this? If there's a God, how come that? If there's a God, why this? If there's a God, why that? What's everyone's question everyone loves to ask about? The Holocaust. Everyone's before the Holocaust. So people didn't have things to ask about before the Holocaust. You know, what are the people who love to challenge God? Before the Holocaust, there are plenty of things to ask about before the Holocaust also. The Holocaust is not the first time that the Jews suffered, you know, bloodbaths and massacres. Exactly. Right. The, 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 the Crusades and everything between the Crusades and everything before the Crusades. Yeah, tons and tons of stuff. The Holocaust was not the first time we suffered genocide. So, what stops, what, what, what people like to pick on is if there's a God, why is there suffering? If there's a God, why is there punishment? If there's a God, why is there pain in the world? Gevura. Gevura is what gets everybody. What we call Gevura. That's all indicative of Hashem's Gevura. No one asks on Chesed, if there's a God, how come we enjoy such prosperity? No one asks that question. The question is, if there's a God, somehow people don't uh, don't understand how God can be in a world if there if there's din, if there's gavura. People don't understand gavura, and people love to gavura. The Holocaust was one was six years worth of gavura, of harshness, of, rest- of, of, of of discipline, of restraints, of lack of chesed. Right. So this is everyone's problem. The Gaim and us is gavura. If there's a God, what's with gavura? We don't understand how gavura works with God. Again, on Rishonim Kippur, Adavin Hashem should reveal Himself to the world. And the truth should be revealed and the emma should come out. And what goes hand in hand with Hashem revealing himself to the world, Rabbi Yisai, is that everyone understands what Kavur was about all along. Um, we, when Mashiach comes, which is what we're davening for in the Yom Nairam, we say, Hashem kemaim The world will be filled with knowledge, clarity, and truth. We'll get it. We'll understand what was going on the entire time. The behind the scenes of the Holocaust and the pogroms and the crusades and everything, all of our suffering and all of the world's suffering, we'll, we'll see the other side of all that. In other words, we know on a cerebral level, intellectually, that Gavur is there to lead to a greater good. And this Gavur is never an end in of itself. Suffering, pain, discipline is there to pave the way for Chesed. And there's no such thing as, as a Holocaust just for a Holocaust, and Crusades just for Crusades, and Jews being slaughtered just for the sake of Jewish blood running through the hills. There's never such a thing. It's all there for chesed, for purposes of chesed. And that's what we're davening for on Rishon Yom Kippur. We, we ask the question, Gvur biminecha, Gvur is the small, not the yamin. What does it mean, Gvur biminecha? We're saying, we know Hashem, Gvur biminecha. The Gvur is really just being used by the yamin. Your left hand is in your right hand. Avada the left is the left and the right is the right. But Gvur is being used by the right hand. The right hand uses Gvur to be able to facilitate what the right hand needs to do. Gavur is being manipulated, used, and being mishtamish with the right hand all, all all the while. And that's what everyone will see when Mashiach comes. That's what we know right now intellectually. We know. And when Mashiach comes, you will reveal. You will reveal that to everyone. There will be no more questions. How come this? How could that happen? How could that happen? Because everyone will see that Gavur was never there to be an end in of itself. Gvur is bimi necha, is used by the right hand, for the right hand, for purposes of chesed, and it was always there, and only there, to be able to facilitate Hashem's chesed. A beautiful idea. But all goes together with the greater theme that we see emerging from Shemon Esrei on Rosh Hashanah Kippur, that we want truth to be revealed, we want the world to come back to a state of harmony, and this is that, that one more idea within that, 
that what prevents that harmony from happening right now, what prevents that clarity, what prevents the world from being deserving of Hashem's bracha, is is the is the is the lack of clarity in how to understand the world, which comes from gevura. So Hashem, we know that gevura is really bimeinecha gevura. All of suffering is only there to be used by the yamin to lead to chesed, to be able to facilitate the chesed, facilitate chesed, and to allow chesed to happen. Let the nation see the same thing, and reveal the ultimate chesed. So. Um, we should be uh, to an amazing Yom Kippur. Daven well on Yom Kippur. Fast on Yom Kippur. Have all the schus on Yom Kippur. We should be to do a tshuva shalema on Yom Kippur. And all of us be nichta v'nechtam. B'sifr shal tzadikim gemurim l'chaim toivim arukim v'l'shalom g'zeir toivim yeshuas v'nachamais parnosa bracha shalom everything that we need. Amen.